As spouses, have you ever spoken to your spouse, said something that you really thought about really well, and it was taken the wrong way? Guys, that ever happened to you? Ever one time? That works so well, doesn't it? When that communication gets mixed up, there was a truth that you intended, wasn't there, right? And you said it with gusto, and you said it the wrong way, right? I've done that so many times with Trina. It's, uh, it's funny. I'll say something, and I'm like, got this big old smile like, did you hear what I said? And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, did I speak another language, or did I say something wrong here? And then next thing I know, I've, and she took it some completely different path. That is so interesting to me how that occurs, right? Cliff, that, that, that truth of that, there's a truth that when we speak, there's an intended truth that we're looking for, right? And Cliff has really sent me on a journey over this when it comes to Bible study. Uh, finding the intent of the author. There is an intent. When, that, when, when the authors wrote these books of the Bible, Ephesians, you know, the letters, let's just use those, the letters of, of, of Paul and of James and Peter, people who wrote these letters, when they put those words on a page, there's an intent there, isn't there? They meant something. Just like when I speak to my wife and I meant something, there's, there's a truth there that's to be found. And that's what's very interesting to me about when I have studied the Bible in my past. Because I would grab the Bible. I don't know if you've done this. I may have shown you this one before. I had the old, uh, you ever had the old flip and point approach to Bible study? Where you flip and you point and do this right here and you start reading Okay, um, and when I ever noticed how many times in Bible study, what we'll do is that we'll read something one time and then we'll say what we think it means, all right? That's gonna be kind of hard to find the intent in a document written 2,000 years ago to a people we know very little about, okay, in a society we know nothing about, right? So that's what Bible study is so intriguing to me. And I had, a, had an illustration I'll share with you that I, th- that I thought was very, kind of drives home this point of what is the truth? What is the truth of the passage? What is the evidence in the words that point to the truth that the author intends for us to find? It's not that hard to find. We're gonna work a little bit on it today, but here's my illustration. Back in the late 80s, in the early 90s, I was a... Uh, a surgical rep for a company called um, uh, which, uh, Cabot Medical. And Cabot was a laparoscopic surgical equipment company. And this is back when laparoscopic surgery was really getting, just getting started, really. I mean, it, was, it happened for a while, but I mean, when it really started taking off. And I remember one time I, took, I went out to Dimmit, Texas. Um, do you know where Dimmit, Texas is? You turn an Amarillo uh, go about 60 miles, basically look to the right, fall off the earth, and it's somewhere over there. So it's just out in the middle of nowhere, right? Dimmit, Texas. So I drive up to this hospital in Dimmit, Texas. And, and it's so funny, I gotta share this with you too. I go there, they don't even have a hotel that they're willing to let me stay in, right? I'm gonna be there all week to do surgeries, right? So I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna show the doctor the equipment. And, and actually, in, pr- in preparation of, of selling these products, I had to take a gallbladder out of a pig. I had to know what was going on. I had to understand what it meant when, when you do this type of surgery because it's completely different, right? Because um, on the weird part about it, when you do laparoscopic surgery, at least back in this day, when you move your instrument this way, it goes that way on the screen, okay? 
So you're like, what? All right, so that's why we go in and we do surgeries for like a week before they'd ever do procedures. So I go to this, this uh, they don't have a hotel, so they put me up in the hospital, okay? This was the best thing in the world. I mean, I get there, and at five o'clock in the morning, somebody comes and wakes me up and says, what do you want for breakfast? I'm like, and I'd say something, they go, you sure that's what you want? And I went, well, no, I'd really like to have some bacon and eggs and all this stuff. They made me three meals a day like this, right? I didn't want to go home. It was awesome. I mean, it was about the best place, the best vacation I ever had was out there staying in this hospital. They cook for me, and I'd go home in the evenings and watch football or baseball. I don't even what time it was. I think it was in the spring, yeah, or watch baseball games at the surgeon's house. That was just really fun. But think, here's, here's about what was interesting about that. We did these surgeries. And, you know, there are guys here in Oklahoma City that can do a a gallbladder surgery in 15, 20 minutes, start to finish. They can do it really fast. Take a guess how long the first surgery took with this guy. And he was a good surgeon. Five hours. Five hours. And here's why, okay? He's in there. It's kind of like what I was saying. He was moving that instrument this way, and it was going that way on the screen. And the problem he has is that he couldn't find that truth that he was looking for. He needed that evidence in that, in that operating room because when you, he was gonna go and cut something and there's stuff in there you wanna cut and there's stuff you don't wanna cut. We'll just leave it at that, right? Okay. I could be a great doctor, shouldn't I? Right? So uh, there's stuff you wanna cut and there's stuff you don't wanna cut. And so he, for, I kid you not, for two and a half hours, I watched him do this. There was this vessel. He would come in like this. He'd go like that. And he'd come back and he'd go like that. And come back and he'd go like this. For two and a half hours, I watched him do this because he just couldn't get that visual. It was really hard to see the first time. I'd seen it a hundred times. I went here going, cut it! <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore, right? Because I knew where it was, right? But I was watching him do this thing and finally he got to the point. I thought we were gonna open the patient up because it was a five-hour long case. Finally, he figured out where he was. Finally, he got to a point. He didn't guess, okay? There was no guessing in this. Finally, he got to a point where he had enough evidence, he knew the truth that he was willing to act. And that's the problem, right? Is if, if he would have acted on an untruth, and that, think about how that affects scripture. How many times have we read scripture, read what we thought the passage meant, and acted accordingly to it? That happens to me a lot. I taught a class in here one time on, on a passage that I thought I knew what the word meant, and it was a whole different word. Y'all heard it. I'm not going to tell you which one it was, okay? But I did. I went back to Cliff, and actually what it was, the, the, the definition of the word was wrong on the website I was using it. That was the problem. But uh, it still worked okay. I still made my point. It just wasn't based on the truth that I thought it should have made. And that's what this surgeon was struggling with. He did not have the evidence to do, to make, to act, he didn't have the truth in order to act. And I think that is so, so very interesting. So um, here, I'll give you a good example of this. In, in Ephesians, we always talk about the context when we read a passage. Where was Paul when, uh, when he wrote Ephesians? Where? Prison. Sure. I, any other answers to that? Where was he when he wrote? Was he in prison? Or was he imprisoned in Rome? If you look in, if you look in Acts chapter 26, in, in the last chapter, well, let's look at it. I'll pull it up real quick. This is just a great, quick little example of it. But in Acts chapter uh, 28, oops, that's Acts chapter one. Here we go. I'm gonna pull it up. I'll put it up on the screen there. 
I can't get down that far, huh? Uh, maybe it is 26. I thought it was. There we go. Acts chapter 28. Just wasn't showing on the screen. I'm like, isn't, there is an Acts chapter 28, right? <laughs> Good. Look at verse 30. This is Luke writing. And he stayed, that's Paul. He stayed in his own, what? Rented quarters. Okay, just a, it's not a big deal. He was imprisoned. He was shackled to a guard. But that's the thing that caught my attention about that. I started looking about, why is Paul shackled to a guard if he's in prison? Is he not going to get away, right? No, no. He was, sitting, he was imprisoned in Rome. He couldn't go anywhere, but he could have people come the whole time. That changes my perspective of, of this whole thing. It's just little tidbits of evidence that we can find when we, when we do these passages. So here's what I want to do today. I'm going to read this one passage from Ephesians chapter 1. Here we go. And Paul, now watch what happens when you read this passage. This is interesting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ, excuse me, Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons to Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his faith, through the forgiveness of our, uh, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of, of times that is summing up all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him we have also obtained an inheritance, have been predestined according to the purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end. Anybody still with me? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know what? In the original language in the Greek, that is one sentence, that whole passage. So you think we, we can read that one time and understand what that means? I don't know a thing about what I've read. So much the fact that I have waited on this passage. If you've noticed, I'm a little ADD, and so I, I taught on Ephesians chapter 6, okay, and then, I did, and then I went Ephesians 1, but I did 15, and then I came back and I taught Ephesians chapter 18, because when I read this Ephesians chapter 1, verses thir, uh, 3 through 14, it's, it's just so much stuff. And I, and I kept reading on that, and I, you know, I got bored, and I was reading it, right? So, I, you know, it's so we got to slow down in this information, don't we? So, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start breaking down this three through fourteen, and the only verse we're going to take a look at today is going to be uh, Ephesians chapter uh, three. So let's let's read verse three again and see if we can't do it. Because man, do I love this verse! Now, now we're going to focus. All right because we only got a few words. We're gonna do really well. It's a Sunday morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Man, there's some really, really cool stuff in this verse. Let's read it one more time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, here's one of my favorite things to do. Here's where you get to participate just a little bit. 
What captures your attention in that? Anything at all? Shout it out. What words? What's that? Bless. We're gonna start with that in a minute, okay? How many times is the word blessed used in this verse? Just this one verse. Huh? Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us and the blessing, oh yeah, I'll give that one. But let's talk about bless and blessed, okay? Those two words we're gonna look at. What else captures your attention? Isn't that a powerful word? Every spiritual blessing. That's worth looking at, isn't it? What else do you see in there? In Christ. You know, Cliff talks a lot about the versions of the Bible. And uh, the NASB has a tendency to be a little bit clunky. Uh, I like that it's clunky in this one because it really, the clunkiness of reading it in the NASB makes you think about that phrase in Christ, doesn't it? We're gonna come back to that a little bit. Let me get back here to my notes so I don't get so far off track that I can't do anything with it here. You know, um, this verse is so powerful to me. I, I love, this is, this is the very first thing that Paul talks about in this letter. And I love how he and also how James, when they write a letter, the first thing that they do is they, they don't dilly-dally around. I don't even know what dilly-dallying is. I'm assuming it's, you know, wasting time somehow. But anyway, they don't, they get right to the point, hard and heavy, okay? And that's what Paul's doing. He's already, he just introduced, you know, himself Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus. He's saying, this is who he is and who he's writing this letter to. This is actually, in most cases, people consider this a letter that's gonna be given to lots of churches, right? And then he gets, if this is the, is the really power statement coming into the beginning of, because Paul does that, he gets right to the point, then this is a really important verse, isn't it, to understand. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I, I just, let's look at these first two. Let's look at the way the word blessed is used a couple of times in here. It said, blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us. Okay, let's look at the differences in there because this is where it kind of gets interesting to me. All right, um, are these the same words? They're really not. Let's look how they're different. First of all, let's look. Just look in the in the in the uh, language here. Remember, this is that this is that BibleHub.com that you can actually literally touch the verse and it'll tell you the. So look at this. If you click on it, here it comes. This is Greek. This is Strong's definition is twenty one twenty eight. Eulo Eulo. I can't ever say this. Eulogetos. We'll call it. All right. Worthy of praise. You look down in here, you can see what this word. All right, so one thing is, now if you look at the next word, next time the word blessed is used, it's this word right here. It's the next word, 27. That one does 28, this one's 27. So it's a different word, all right? Something else you can take a look at, the part of speech. What is the part of speech of, of this word right here? It's a verb, right? So this verb for blessed is what God does, who has blessed, God who has blessed. It's a verb. The one that's before, what is it? It's an adjective. Look at this. There it is. See it, adjective? That's the type. So it's a different word. It's a different part to speech. Let's look at the tense. What's different about the tense in this? Blessed be the God and Father. What tense is that? Present tense, right? And this is where it gets really interesting, okay? 
who has blessed. What tense is that? It's past tense. So these two words are not the same words at all, okay? One's, a, one's an adjective, one's a verb. They both have different meanings, somewhat related, and they're completely different tenses. So we gotta look at them differently, all right? So the other thing, so we're gonna come back to that in just a second, but um, what else do you see? We see that every spiritual blessing. Now, the reason I went to that next is because I want you to see, what is the tense of that? God has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. That is very interesting to me, isn't it? How many of the spiritual blessings have we been given? All of them. The word every there is the Greek word pos. We gotta slow down with that just a little bit, don't we? Every spiritual blessing has been given to us in what tense? Past. Do we live like that? That's, that's a unique way to live. Almost all the spiritual blessings except for the ones that we'll use when we die and go to heaven, is that what it says? No. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and where is it? In Christ is true, but there's a phrase right before it. In the heavenly places. Isn't that interesting? All the blessings, every single one of them, are already done. I read a commentary that talked, some research, not a commentary, research that talked about how this says, this is all completed Every spiritual blessing has been completed and given to us in the heavenly places. That's kind of interesting to me. What if I woke up each and every day, this is just a quick application, and reminded myself that God has, in fact, given me every spiritual blessing? How would that change your morning? Every spiritual blessing. Because I don't know about you, but when I think about the spiritual blessings, I think about there are things that are gonna happen later on, right? But I have access to every single spiritual blessing. You know, they talk about people who have ESP, extra sensory perception, right, like that. I got ESB, right? Every spiritual blessing. They can have ESP. Every spiritual blessing is a better thing to have, isn't it? Every spiritual blessing. I have ESB. But what did, my, what did Paul mean by that? And then we got this last thing. It's so powerful. That is a powerful, powerful statement, isn't it? That we have already received every spiritual blessing. Oh, I can't get past that. Except there's one little caveat to it, and it's the very last two words. What is it? In Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Without, without Christ, our blessings go away. Your ESB is not there, if you'll say. You don't have every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenly realms without Christ. I just, I, I was just blown away by the significance of that word. I hope that, I hope that, that one verse will hang on you just a little bit when, when you think about it and think about it more than just this class time. Every single, I, I can't overemphasize the importance of that, can I? Of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All right, so let's, let's go back and look. The first way that we bless, it, the first blessing is how we bless God, all right? Uh, and that's interesting to me too, okay? So we've got this blessing. If you look at this, how do we bless God? It's an adjective. And if you look in the definition, I'm not gonna do it because I'm running out of time already. But if you look at how this word is, the blessing, how do we bless God? 
It's an adjective. So we, it's ways that we describe God's position, right? That's what adjectives do. They modify and describe nouns. So how do we, how do we describe God? What do we do? We praise him, right? Isn't that interesting? But yet, when you look at the other word, the other word is a verb, and it has to do with how God blesses us, and it's about how he bestows blessings on us. So what he does, here's the way I heard it, heard it illustrated. When we bless God, we speak good of him. When God blesses us, he bestows on us. So my question was, how are the spiritual blessings from God in the heavenly realms applicable to me right now? And what I did was, I kind of built all that to move to this point right here. I went back to Ephesians chapter six. I know we've taught on this before, and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna finish it, and, and it, it, hopefully it's all gonna make sense, okay? Let me get to the NSB here. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, where? In the heavenly places. Is that enemy after us now? Right now. And where's that battle fought? In the heavenly places. So are the blessings that we receive from God in the, spiritual, in the, in the heavenly realms, are they applicable to us today? Absolutely. And, and, the, and the evidence of that is is I just, in, you know, when you look at this, this is this massive army that in verse 12, you know, the rulers against the powers, against the world forces. I taught, I taught on that a while back. The, uh, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So the spiritual blessings that God gives each one of us, every spiritual blessing, no wonder we need the, the, the armor of God, right? We need every single piece of the armor of God because of the battle that we're facing again are facing, the enemy that we're facing is so powerful that we need every single spiritual blessing right now. The problem is I don't think about it in those terms. I think about spiritual blessings later on and I think about trying to live my life. And I think, no, 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 I think that's why this verse in Ephesians 1 verse three is so important that if I can grab hold of that, look, look what Ephesians 1 later on says. Ephesians 1, right after he says that we've been given every spiritual blessing, look in verse 18, 19, um, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Look in 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. It's already been done. Far above all that enemy that we fight against. Now look at the next, next chapter. That's where God, that's where Jesus is seated. The one we follow is seated. That's part of those heavenly blessings, but the blessing continues, okay? Look in Ephesians chapter two, verse, where is it? Uh, four, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us, where? With him, where? In the heavenly places. That's a every spiritual blessing present tense, isn't it? Yes. Since it's true that every blessing is in Christ and has been accomplished, why aren't you fighting anything in the morning? That's true. Why are we fighting anything in the morning, right? 
And that, that right there is the blessing, isn't it? To me. He, he asks, since we've got all these blessings, why are we fighting it, right? The battle's been won. That, that is my, I'll just sit down again. So here we go. That's perfect. That's exactly where I'm going with this. The battle has been fought. And that is a powerful, powerful, that's why I think this verse is so incredible. When it comes to the battle that we are enraged in, okay, we don't have the battle because it, it has already been completed. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's one thing left I wanna give you on this and then we'll, we'll close up here pretty quick. Let's go back up to Ephesians chapter one and look at what is next. This is just, this whole verse, Ephesians three through 14 is an explanation of all of those blessings, okay? And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you one other example. I, I wanted to go to that Ephesians six twelve because I've taught on it in the past and, and your timing of your, of your comment was perfect. That's exactly where I was going with that. We do not have to fight this battle, but look what else is included in every spiritual blessing. Where is it? Verse four. God, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here we go, in verse four. Just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. And this next step is beyond. That we would be what? Holy and blameless. You are a holy priesthood. You are, in the eyes of God, holy. And I can tell you that in my own assessment of my life and the decisions that I've made in my life throughout, there is not a possibility of me, number one, being holy. Holy. It's a spiritual blessing that we've been given. And blameless. How powerful is that? There's this great chasm that we create because of our actions in our life, right? Right? Imagine standing on, on one side of the Grand Canyon, right? And you're looking across and God is on the other side of the Grand Canyon and it's this deep, deep, widest, deepest part of the Grand Canyon. That's where we're at. How do, how do you do that? My, my job is to get to God on the other side. I've got to be holy and blameless or I cannot stand before him. We understand that, right? There's no possible way I can be before God in my present, in my condition prior to Christ. That's why that in Christ is so important. But imagine trying to take a step in the direction over a chasm that is so great. The spiritual blessing, one second. The spiritual blessing is that Jesus fills in the chasm. He fills in the Grand Canyon for each of us. And we walk across and we can walk before God. And that's why today in this church, we can kneel and we can pray and we can be heard. Because we have been given in the past tense every spiritual blessing that we could ever, ever hope for. But here's my point. Here's where I wanna go back. That's how God blesses us, right? And how he does it, that verb. It, it, does it, I don't know about you, but when I read that, when it says blessed because the first thing that Paul does in, the, in his letter of any significance, you know, he's saying who he is and who his letters to, but the very first thing he says is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What can I bring to him? 
We gotta, that's what Paul does first is he blesses God. And it's, I mean, it almost like, like the only thing we bring to him are our words, right? It's almost like, is, are, is, are we kind of limited here? Here's what I'll challenge you with as we leave out. If I was to have each one person in here stand up and go out, and I give you as long as you want it, I say, go out and get something God doesn't have. And I'll just wait here for a while, <laughs> right? It's like buying my father a Christmas present. You know, he doesn't need anything, right? I can get him another shirt and he's gonna be happy with it, but he really doesn't need it. He can go out and buy his own shirt, right? I can go get him a card, all that stuff. But what is the one thing that God doesn't have? Our praise. Suddenly, our praise. That is the only thing he wants, is our praise. And so, I guess my point here is this, that if we're gonna be kind of just singing in worship or kind of just praying in worship, man, when you consider that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, not that we're trying to keep up with God, we're not gonna do that. How important is it what we do when we go into worship? How important is it when we say to him, you are our God? I don't wanna just say those words because they're on the page and because it fits into the chord of the song I'm singing. The only thing that God doesn't have is my praise. The only thing that God doesn't have is your praise. And it's, it's what we can bring to him and it's what makes him happy. And I just hope that we don't miss that. Because I can tell you there's times in church when I'm in there in, in, in my normal life that I'm just like praying. Have you ever caught yourself praying to God and like, Hey, God, you're cool. Like, you know, you ever do that? You know, you catch yourself, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let me back up here again. God, I'm sorry. I just kind of was on, you know, mental, I don't know what it is. I can't even think of the word right now. But, you know, I'm just kind of stopped, right? And I back up and I say, no, 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 no. You are my God. And you have done so many things for me. You filled in the chasm that allows me to even speak to you today. That's what I want to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for the wisdom that you gave him that translates to us today. And Father, we come before you right now. Each person in this room has nothing but absolute gratitude in their heart for what you have done, these spiritual blessings that you have given us. Through your Holy Spirit, will you help us to see that this week as we go out, Father? That, we, that we, we don't have to fight the battles and that we can come to you. But Lord, may our lives this week and the actions of our lives this week show how we bless you. Can we bring our words to you in a different way to where you get what, from us what you really want? The praise that is due. The praise that we get what you've done for us. Thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray.